today's show lineup does not include more Simpsons banter. At least we don't think or it will. Or pictures of us when we were children. My wife and I put on our registry this like this like rubber duck in a bath uh, soap dish as a joke. And we have it. We have it to this day in our bathroom. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Hey, Steve Young has given us uh, a number of memorable moments over the past seven years, including, you just heard it, calling the shot for Kyle Van Noy earning his first Super Bowl ring in New England. We had a chance to talk to Steve about uh, the 2000th episode milestone and much more, including Zach Wilson. Here's our conversation with Steve on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Steve, I can't think of a better way to celebrate 2,000 episodes of this show than with the guy who quarterbacked what I believe is the greatest BYU football team in history. So let's just start the controversy right there. Let's go, man. What is, the, what, what is controversial about that? <laughs> I mean, what do you want to – I mean, 84 wants to come up and start to say 83. I mean, it's done. It's, it's over. We, it's, I'm, with, it's, I'm with you. That's locked in the vault. But whenever you guys have a big moment, you seem to call me, which I really appreciate. It makes me feel important. But 2,000 is a big number. I mean, 2000, I didn't have 2,000 touchdowns. I didn't have 2,000. Luckily, I didn't have 2,000 interceptions. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I was thinking about my first $2,000 I made in my, my Greenwich Times paper route. That was probably. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else did I do? 2,000. Two, I. <laughs> Yeah, I got married at 38, probably 2,000 dates. I didn't have a celebration for that. But, uh... <laughs> we should have celebrated that Hey, one. did you cash those paper route checks because you didn't cash some of the first professional checks? I collected there? all – I collected every dime. I didn't spend a dime. And I, and, uh, uh, I was probably – I've been pro maybe four or five years, and I remembered that my dad had pooled all the money in an account of his, and I had forgotten about it. And I said, hey, Dad, by the way, you know, you might think I have forgotten about this, but uh, we, as you taught me, we count each dime. Where's my money? You know? <laughs> Come on, grit. <laughs> Give me my money. Grit, grit had to go back into the account, but a gl- classic grit. He had it all accounted for, uh-huh. and he had it to the dollar. And I want to say it was ten thousand four hundred fifty-three dollars. Hey, that's and nice I mean, I, grit, I mean, that was I. I had every dollar I I made since I was six years old. I put in that little account, and so. Uh, um, that was pretty cool. And my son, my oldest son, he had done the same thing. You know, he's at school at, um, at music theater school in New York, and he knows he's going to be waiting tables trying to get on Broadway. And he's like, I need passive, passive income, dad. I'm like, what do you know about that? <laughs> and uh, he wants to, like, I have $10,000 and I want to pool it with you and we can go into a 50, 50. And so he's, he's a little businessman too. So yeah, he's, awesome. I, he was more business oriented than me. I just wanted the money. You know, <laughs> in the end, that's what we all want. Yes, yeah. I love it. Steve Young with us on episode 2000 of BYU Sports Nation. We're still trying to wrap our minds around actually 2000 episodes. Can you believe they let two goofballs like us do 2000 episodes? I, I, you know, I know we give, well, I always shout out to Kiki Solano too, because she's part of the action as well. But totally. uh, you guys are amazing. And it it's, you know, you, you, you don't, you probably, cause it's 2000, you lose track of why it's 2000, you know, and what you do for so many of us out here, uh, kind of needing that, uh, BYU fix every day. And not only that, but it has to be entertaining. It has to feel authentic. It has to feel like you guys are, uh, you know, not just faking it. And, and I just give you a lot of kudos for how you do it. And the truth is, 
when we join the Pac-12 or the Big 12 and they have to use the BYU networks to kind of help them in their, in the, you know, you guys are going to go big time. Like it's not just going to be, you know, when, when we get it done and you guys go big and it's worldwide, just remember me. All right. I know you guys will tend to forget <laughs> We'll the little like, people. Steve so. who? What? Oh, Steve Young. Yeah. We, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. What, 2001? <laughs> that, was... <laughs> that was so long ago. Yeah. yeah no one right. cares about that. Yeah, right. Okay, well, enough about us. And you're very uh, flattered. We're flattered by that. Okay, Zach Wilson. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. You were featured uh, a couple nights ago on uh, QB21 with uh, Kirk Herbstreit talking with Zach, which was fun. Um, Zach Wilson looks like he's going to the Jets. Your Niners have moved up to three. So if the Jets, for whatever reason, get cold feet – it, it seems like the Niners would take him there. So what has this been like for you to see his ascension from uh, late ad in the recruiting process to a top five, top three, top two pick? You know, people, I think that's, if I had to, re, you know, to me, the 49ers moved to three in hopes of Zach. That's my opinion. Uh, and probably believe the Jets in the end would go for a more traditional uh, pick. Zach has come from uh, the independent school of BYU in the West. And there's a lot of people and it was a meteoric rise and a kind of a one big year, if you can think about it that way. Uh, but in that year, Zach did things that if you study it as a, my, my friend, Greg Knapp at the jets, he's the quarterback coach. He coached me at the 49ers and I love Greg. And he, you know, we were talking earlier in the year as he studied Zach and he's like, I can't believe some of the things he does. And, and that is not necessarily a physical trait. It's not necessarily something that as, you know, a layman watching the game would go, oh my gosh, it's the little tiny things that are really um, unheard of to be done by someone with that little experience. Uh, and I think that's why the excitement grew as coach NFL coaches started to watch the tape after the Super Bowl or whenever their seasons ended. And you noticed that it was like Zach had his meteoric rise in the NCA ranks and then some scouts around and people. But then it was when the coaches of NFL teams, that's when because the, they they augment the scouts work because the scout does his work. And then the coaches have to, you know, that's the yeoman's work. And when the coaches started to do that. That's when February, you know, mid, remember in February, there's like, holy cow, he's not he's not the top half of the first round. He's in the top five. And then it was like the top two. And then it was like, you know what? I, I heard an, I heard a number of people just say, look, if it was me, I'd take him over Trevor. And be like, how is that possible? I mean, what are you talking about? That's nuts. But then you you watch the film and, and what we saw, the little things that are not underappreciated. Um, you, you just, and that's why it's so hard to make sure that you, you're really seeing what you're seeing. And uh, Zach has... Zach is a unique offering to the NFL, flat out. And there is incredible hope that he can repeat the kind of things he did in his junior year for 15 years in the NFL. And that's why, why he's where he is, is because they believe that what he did against Boise State and San Diego State and Houston and all others uh, is what he can do for the next 15 years in the NFL. Steve Young with us on BYU Sports Nation discussing Zach Wilson and his NFL prospects. Steve, if indeed Zach is the guy in New York, we heard you say on QB21 with Kirk Herbstreit that he's in the data and you like his attention to detail. You pointed out how Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and then we'll throw in Drew Brees, those guys just got lost in the data and film review and they just, they're junkies for the game. Zach has those qualities. 
But is that enough to help him find success in a place like New York that has struggled so consistently over the past decade? Well, let's build a case for the Jets. Um, I mean, honestly, a year ago, if you said, what are the worst five places to be as a quarterback that would be on the list? Um, and there are more good places for quarterbacks today than there were 20, 30 years ago. I, you know, I always felt like there was maybe 10 really good spots for quarterbacks, uh, to thrive. And in many ways you would think that everyone would be great at it. Cause that's how you thrive in the NFL, but you know, that's a whole other episode. That's episode 3000 we'll do on why the NFL is so, so backwards. But, uh, but there are more than 10 now that are good spots for quarterbacks to help them thrive. The Jets have never been one of them. But the changes in the last three or four months with um, Coach Sala. Sala is a defensive coordinator. Not my favorite head coaching kind of mindset. I like offensive minded. And I, you know, I can make a case for it. You can believe it or not. But I, I just think in, in history, especially in 2021, you want an offensive minded head coach. But he was in San Francisco. He, he's been around Kyle and, and especially Mike Shanahan. They know the 49er. They understand now because the 49er way was lost for the 49ers for 10 years. Now it's back and it's back in spades. And in many ways, what they did to run to the Super Bowl and what they've done the last couple of years and how they built a locker room and how they built that sense of um, uh, collective purpose and partnership between coaches and players and all the things that are part of that 49er, you know, uh, a DNA is Coach Sala has, and now they have offensive coordinator Coach LaFleur, who is at San Francisco, and they have a line coach at San Francisco. They want to run the San Francisco offense. They're going to have some iterations, and I've talked to Greg Knapp about that. But And then I have Greg Knapp. Greg is a is a guy that I trust with quarterbacks. You know, if I had a son that played quarterback and Greg could coach them, I'd be like, you know what? He's going to be taken care of. It's not going to be easy, It's not, and it's not going to run. You know, it's like all of a sudden the Jets just go to the moon. But things are in place that if I was Mike Wilson, uh, Zach's dad, as I've told him many times, things are in place to get better and to give him a chance and to give him the support that he needs. And so that's really from where they were a year ago. That's best case scenario right now. You know, and Joe Douglas is a guy that has Super Bowl rings on his finger, the GM. And he's a kind of guy that if he's picking Zach with one year and all the things I just told you about why you wouldn't pick Zach. That just tells you that he's done the work. Joe Douglas is not a, he is no one's fool. And that's why I think maybe the 49ers thought that Joe would pass on Zach because of that nature of who Joe is, that he wouldn't settle on Zach. And because he has, is a great compliment to what Zach has done, not just on the field for BYU, but what he's done with the Jets in interviews and, and iterations with coaches because they put a lot of pressure on him. Give him a playbook the day before. You have 24 hours to study it. Now we're going to talk about it. And so into that original question you said was the, was the data, right? What was the, what are, do you have the aptitude for it? And I think that that's, and I said, I said to Zach, he was at my little golf tournament the other day that we do with the charity for forever young uh, foundation and grateful that he'd come by. And we had a picture with Jim McMahon, Zach, myself, and Ty, Ty came by. And so it was a heck of a, a heck of a picture. And I told him it's your own fault. <laughs> You know, if you go to the Jets, it's your it's it's your fault. I mean, it's not it's not like you know, you know. Uh, and so I think that if you want to make a case for the Jets, that's the best case I can make, and it's a case that I feel comfortable with. Uh, there is a West Coast even today. There's a West Coast East Coast thinking, even around quarterbacks at times, an idea that the Jets have kind of totally in, ingratiated themselves to the 49er way with what they who they brought in as coaches is comforting to me. 
And so as I talked to Mike uh, Wilson, his dad is like, I'm comforted by all that. And I think there's, it gives it more of a chance, but there's still the jets. They're still, you know, need to get a lot of more help. They've got some pieces. They got a tackle. They got, you know, they have a center, they have some defensive linemen. They have some, you know, have guys around, but you've seen this happen in Cleveland. You've seen it happen in Buffalo. You've seen it happen in the, with the Rams, with, with uh, Sean McVay, you know, you get a coach with a plan who understands all this stuff in 2021 and a quarterback that can, that can make it happen you can start to believe. So yeah. I'm going to, until further notice, I'm a believer. I've called the Jets uh, the, the the fat-free Niners <laughs> because of all the influence like you talked about. <laughs> that's <laughs> whether, fair. Whether that's that's it, fair. There you go. Uh, I did want to ask you this. So if you had come out and the USFL didn't exist and you were going to the NFL, would you have been a top-five pick? Because it's McMahon and Ziggy as the highest-picked BYU Cougars ever. Zach is going to become the highest-drafted Cougar ever. But where were you probably going to go in that situation if, if it was NFL only? Well, Sam Weiss came out and worked me out that Cincinnati Bengals had the first pick. And then after that workout, he told me he was gonna, they were going to take me. Mm. And, uh, and that's what they told Lee Steinberg, my agent. And that's when Don Klosterman came up from the LA Express. He'd been with the LA Rams and Sid Gilman and uh, John Hadel. And those are the three guys that came up to see me about the LA Express. Um, and Kenny Anderson was the co- quarterback at the time with the Bengals. And I didn't have a real sense that I wanted to go sit around and watch Kenny Anderson play, nor did I necessarily have a lot of affiliation with, well, you know, kind of making my career with the Bengals. And so I, I chose the LA Express. And, um, um, and I, you know, Boomer Sison. <laughs> Every time I see him, he, he curses me. He's like, look what you did to me. Because then they chose Boomer Sison in the second round that, that year. And, um, and he, calls it the, he calls it the Bermuda Triangle. He went to the, for the Bengals, the Jets, and the Oilers. I think it was the Oilers. I can't remember where his third team was. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, it backfired on me, too. Because I went to the Al Express thinking I'm going to be coached by the greatest of all time, Sid Gilman, John Hadel. Gordon Hudson was going to join me from the, from the, from the Cougars. He was an all American. I had Gary Zimmerman, one of the best tackles in the draft now ended up being a pro football hall of famer. Uh, you know, uh, Kevin Nelson, guys from UCLA, uh, Jojo Townsell. I mean, we had a lot of fun young guys and it was great football. The football was better in the LA express, but then I didn't realize that the NFLPA would sell me out and negotiate the, something out. Like I got something for it, but then they, we put all of us USFL guys into the supplemental draft. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the first pick of the supplemental draft. And that's why I ended up in Tampa Bay. So I thought I was going to be able to go to the LA Express, come out a free agent and go anywhere that I wanted to. Mm. And so, um, but yeah, I was going to be the first pick of the Cincinnati Bengals. So. We're still it. trying to find the creamsicle jersey for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the number eight and young on it. Like that, that's a hot commodity. That so would be good for the 3000th. Yeah, exactly. I have, I, I have some and uh, they are, <laughs> you can believe it. The, the, the creamsicle jersey was back then they had the mesh jerseys. BYU had, you had, know, it was yeah. a light mesh. You figured in Florida, they would have the light creamsicle mesh. <laughs> they must not have made that color. So they had this triple ply <laughs> almost like a blanket it was a blanket jersey and so we'd go out in tampa to play the bears and we'd be where i'd be wearing this blanket just orange sweating jersey. it's like how could it make it any harder you know it's like it wasn't even pliable it was kind of like it would fold over like you try to throw and you hear it. 
you know, and I was like, anyway, we won't be, that'll be the 4,000 show. We're yes. talking about the Four <laughs> Line it up. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. Okay, Steve, uh, just looking at matters of success, the Jets won two games last year. So if Zach's the guy, what is a reasonable goal in terms of a win total that he and the Jets should shoot for that would show marked success in 2021? Well, the first thing is it's it's not necessarily a win total. It's the threat. It's a predatory place, the NFL. And, and, and everybody, it's a smell test every week, you know, and players are the ultimate, right? Because they, they prepare because they say, oh, this is a big game. Or, no, these guys are a joke, you know. Like, that's how players think about it. So you want to become a tough out. You want the locker room to kind of co- coalesce. Think about the 49ers right as, as Kyle Shanahan showed up and they were terrible. Um, he got, he inherited a decent locker room, which I think the jets have. And so as he built around it with a plan, you want that locker room to start to show itself early in the season. Like, wow, these guys are tough outs, man. Zach is, I mean, he's wow. He's as good as we thought, you know, and they're like one in four. That's fine. As long as the, as the smell test says, these guys are, <laughs> do not, do not kid yourself. You're playing the jets. You better suit up, you know, and that's what you want about mid season is that, that's how they – and because you don't know how things are going to break. You can have a lot of crappy stuff happen to you and be, you know, two and six and say, wow, that is the best two and six team I've seen. That's the key. Because in the long run, if Zach's going play for 15 years, they're going to get better and better. Now, if they have some things break their way, there's no reason why they can't do what the 49ers did in 18 or 17 or the, what I can't remember the first year they kind of got going. Um, there's no reason why they can't do what the Cleveland Browns did the first year that the new coach came. Like they have that kind of capability. Um, and so that's, you know, that tops out at eight and eight, you know, that'd be phenomenal. Right. I think it's, it's not impossible if things, if things kind of break, if I, if what I'm saying is true about what the 40, what the 49er light that you're talking about, um, I think they could, and Zach is, can do what, you know, if they, what he promised Joe Douglas, he would do. I can do what I showed you at BYU. I can do it at the NFL level. And uh, that'll be obviously really important. Yeah, we'll be watching with uh, you know great intensity this season. Okay, let's finish with this. So you took that photo, which is just an epic photo at uh, your foundation there uh, with Jim McMahon. Have you yourself. seen it? Oh, it, yeah. It's out. Zach put it out there. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Oh, good. Right. So, so oh, Zach, Zach put it out there. Yeah, Zach put it out oh, there. good. Maybe yeah, he, he was great. You know what? That was the first time I actually I texted Zach for a couple of years. I talked to him a couple a few times. You know, I talked to his dad at length. This first time I met him. And I will tell you that walking in to that, you know, think about that. He's walking in with Jim McMahon sitting there and Ty Detmer and, you know, Tim Brown is sitting at the table and, you know, and he sits down. And what I loved about how he sat down, he sat down in a respectful way. Like you could see that he was, he had a sense of the moment, but he also didn't sit down and was afraid or didn't feel comfortable. And it was just, there was a, it's the way he plays. It's a peaceful kind of, you know, it's all good. And I just, I, I appreciated learning more about Zach in person. Uh, and, and now I know, you know, I have even more confidence that he'll be able to pull it off because those are not easy situations. Look, I've been, I'm older now. I can see human behavior and you can see people who are overwhelmed or that they're not ready for the, and I just, I mean, he's very natural. That's going to be, I was super excited for him. He told us that uh, we, we said, "What's the best advice Steve's given you?" And he said, "Steve said I need to get better at golf." <laughs> who, who, well, just, he's forgetting the forty things I told him before. That was the last thing I said. <laughs> <laughs> did, 
it's it's requisite that you be good at golf, right? Like Robbie Bosco's just crushing it here in Provo whenever anyone plays. Taysom Hill's pretty good, apparently. Are you good? I just threw up in my mouth a little bit because uh, I'm sick of Robbie being good at golf. Uh, it's so mad. You know what? The problem is, is that Robbie played as a, in high school as a kid. It's cheating. You can't play golf till you get to college. You know, and then you pick up the clubs, you go out to Hobble Creek and you look terrible and you lose 10 balls, right? That's, that's part of the rite of passage. You don't, you don't get to, you know, just, you know, look smooth and easy. And that's a Robbie is smooth and easy golfer. It frustrates me. Same way in 1984 when I won the national champ. Oh, oh no, I didn't. I didn't uh, <laughs> I figure that enough time goes by. I told Robbie the other day, I go, Robbie, enough time goes by. They won't remember. I, I, I'm just going to claim the national champion. This is just so long. Ago. Like, oh, yeah. We'll start saying yeah, that and see how many people believe it. Yeah. Oh, you, you, want, right, you, that's why, you won the that's title in 83, Steve. Also. You won the best team well, ever. You were the national champion in 83. Other than Gerald, Gerald McNeil is the only reason why, you know, whatever. Well, let's not, let's not belabor it. I agree with you, but let's say that Robbie Bosco is the greatest BYU quarterback golfer in history, although Jim McMahon's close. Okay. I am frustrated lefty playing righty. Uh, Keith Clearwater, BYU golfer, late night, late 70s, early 80s, mm -hmm. is – I'm his, I'm his lifetime project mm. and, uh, and, uh, and I'm going to beat Robbie. Okay. That's my, oh. that's my goal. I love it. Love it. I love it. Live love on BYU. Just like I did in 84. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to broadcast it. Celebrity golf tournament, BYU sports nation stuff. Going to Riverside. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Steve, thanks so much for all you've done for the show. You've been a great support. Your fan devotion to BYU is uh, second to none. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. Let's go. Let's do it. You guys are great. Steve Young on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Always fun to talk to you. He's the GOAT, man. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It's time to play Big Deal, No Deal, presented by Bodyguards. <clears throat> Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. An emotional thing, I understand. I know. I would like to start, Jerem. Big Deal or No Deal, BYU has eight separate, uh, separate players on the Pro Football Focus final top 300 big board, the most of any West Coast team. I can't see the coast from here. So I'm not In the West? What? Question mark? Uh, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Because uh, does it mean all those guys are going to be drafted? No. But this is a standout year for BYU football. It's been in incredible what BYU did on the field. And then crazy when you have good players, you win. Nuts. Huh, huh. It's just insane, that idea. you know. So three in the top 105 is pretty awesome. BYU had two in the top 80 last year, by the way. Um, Austin Lee and Brady Christensen. Was it three with James Empey, perhaps? I'm trying to remember. It was two or three. But uh, th this is notable. And hopefully these guys get drafted. Free agent contracts will definitely be in order for, you know, seven to ten of these guys, it feels like. This is a big deal. It's weird to see that Utah had zero. Utah typically has, like, three to six draft picks. Well, and, and is that and, because Utah's they, top two prospects opted to yeah, pull out and, yeah. and they're like, hey, we're pulling out of the draft, we're going back to school. And BYU's guys went early because they're trying to strike while the iron's hot. So I get that. But it is weird to see Utah with zero there. It's a big deal because I can't remember the last time BYU had anything close to eight players on any type of big board. And this, and this is the – well, this is a big board. 
Like 10 years ago, I don't remember anyone doing this big of a board. <laughs> you know what this, I mean? Yeah, it's large. 300, it's large 300 players. But it makes me feel like BYU has a better chance to get at least four players drafted. Yeah, I don't think four would be crazy. Yeah. All right. I don't think BYU is getting eight drafted. Eight's not going to happen. That'd be insane. It, it, like, it'll be three to four, maybe five. Of course it's a big deal yeah. to have great talent. And when you play a budget-friendly schedule with great talent. Cream's great responsibility. <laughs> you win a lot of games well, and you get a lot of national comes. notoriety. Yes, when you win, you get noticed. That's how it works. Crazy, right? Okay, big deal, no deal. In the first projection of the 2022 NCAA brackets, Joe Lenardi has BYU as the second team out. Oh, this is the hugest no deal ever. Yeah, no deal. It just, come and on. Like, it's nice to be discussed. But again, we're not even sure who's going to be on the roster. There are, it feels like, four or five spots totally up in the air right and th- now. And this is, with no knowledge, I'm just saying this, is BYU keeping the staff? Like, you never know if an assistant will be poached or, you know, Mark Pope, there was some interest from Arizona there, so he wasn't hired there. Tommy Lloyd was of Gonzaga, but yeah, there's still, I mean, it's April, bro. Like, the national championship game was a few weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. It's still fresh. So when BYU is projected as the second team out in <laughs> October or November, then we're starting to inch toward and it even being more then, of a big deal. More of a big deal. Even then, the season hadn't even started until late November. Correct. You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah, it, it, it it's takes the hugest no deal ever. It's fun, but it's no deal. The hugest no deal. <laughs> <laughs> the big, it's the biggest no deal. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I love that. St. Mary's, by the way, was the fourth team in. Okay, that's a big deal because St. Mary's. And they were terrible last year. So they, what are they doing? Again, Joey I'll, brackets. I'll repeat it. This is never disrespected this particular player. Well, yeah, I guess it is. I, I do like his game. But if Tommy Cousy's your best player, you're not an NCAA tournament team. You're just not. Um, they but, were riddled with injuries. They don't. Don't make excuses for St. Mary's. They just stunk. Let's revel in it. It was awesome. <laughs> it was great that they weren't that good. They were good enough to be <laughs> important to BYU's resume, however. That's what made it even better. They had no yeah. shot of getting into the tournament, but they were good enough yes, to help that's BYU's we resume. Need. We need the roadie to be at uh, quad one. That's all we need. The rest of it, they can, yeah. they can be garbage, and that would be fine. <laughs> no, I actually want St. Mary's to be good, but I want BYU to just be better. As opposed to Utah, where I, I'm fine if Utah loses every single game and doesn't help BYU's resume in any way, shape, or form. Because it's only men's hoops where that's the case. But Utah's not that team. They're a good team. In basketball, they're going to be better. Like, oh. Basketball with Craig Smith, now I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah. This is going to be yeah, this is, this is going to be a really tough game The home run higher for Utah. Yeah, good Yeah, good for them. Granted, like, Craig Smith never beat BYU when he was I mean, in Utah State. So. Yeah, I mean bad for them. I don't actually intend on hoping they do well. Um, Max Hall and I hang out in that regard a little more, but I don't hate Utah. I just, it's a rivalry. I don't enjoy their success in any way, shape or form. Like if, <laughs> if Utah, Utah state is not as much of a threat in that regard where I'm like, Oh, if they're good, that's, that's fine. That's cool. I almost went to Utah state. I didn't think I'd get in here. There's only one time in your life. I think you have somewhat enjoyed Utah success. And that was their almost run to a national championship. But I was a kid in 1998. I was a kid that didn't know better. Now, I'm, uh, now you know better. The best of a, BYU a Sports Nation will be back after this on okay. BYU Radio. Okay. All right. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Popsy, turvy, turbulent, and now tampered with 
Transfer Portal. Legendary college basketball broadcaster Dick Vitale is speaking out on the ever-changing state of college hoops and the pseudo-free agency that is the Transfer Portal. Vitale tweeted out yesterday, quote, spoke with several coaches that are saying that widespread tampering is going on in recruiting players from the Transfer Portal. They claim players are informed that School X will offer if you get in the portal. That is pathetic and violates why the rule was put into play. He continues, the transfer rule was instituted to allow players that don't play to transfer without sitting. However, stars and PTPers that have produced are moving on in big numbers. Coaches have told me they can prove this wheeling and dealing is happening and plan to notify the NCAA. Whoa. Jason, do you share the concerns of Dick Vitale and others that the transfer portal has become detrimental to college basketball? Look, detrimental, I don't know if I'm going that far, but I mean, look, the transfer portal is not what it was two or three seasons ago. I mean, it is completely different now that you you have an influx of players constantly. Now, obviously, with the COVID situation where they are allowed to play you know, another year, I think that that has added to it. But look, anytime there are changes, whether it's rules, you know, different things uh, come up in sports, somebody's going to find a way to take advantage of it. Like it's going to be exploited. And I think that that's just what we're dealing with right now. It's just reality in college basketball. And look, and as many negative things that you can point out in terms of all of the transfers and how many you know guys are looking to move from school to school, there are also a lot of positives that come out of it. And look, BYU is one school, especially now with head coach Mark Pope at the helm, who is certainly a big proponent of going after players you know, that are, that are looking to transfer, you know, it is something that can also be really good for your program, especially if you feel that you, you know, are like a player or two away and you can go out and, and pinpoint somebody that already has some experience, bring them into your program. I, look, it, it can work both ways. Yes. But I'm not surprised that people are having an issue with it. It's the same as any other situation. Somebody will always find a way to take advantage of any situation. Is it detrimental to the sport overall? Hard to know because it really depends on the paradigm you're working in. For coaches that are benefiting from this and getting high-level players to come to their programs, it's anything but detrimental. Ask Gonzaga and Mark Few if they think that the transfer portal and this type of deal is detrimental. Not saying that Mark Few and his crew are tampering with anything, but – I would venture that they are in favor of the transfer portal because they have benefited from it so much. Okay. BYU is benefiting from it. It's annoying and it causes some transient properties for coaches that are trying to hold on to good players. But listen, if you're a guy like, take for example, in the BYU history, Elijah Bryant, and you're doing your thing in a small conference. In fact, you're the conference freshman of the year and you have an opportunity at a bigger Division I school, it's going to be annoying for your former program, but it's going to be to the betterment of the Division I program that you're joining. Okay, So it, it just depends on totally where you are in the paradigm. And I, we live in a society, people, where Tinder and Bumble and Match.com are things that people 
go to and visit every day. Like the transfer portal, I joked the other day, is like Tinder for college basketball coaches. Swipe right, swipe left. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested in that guy. Nope, nope, don't want anything to do with that person. It, it's college basketball's Tinder. Yeah. And it's it's Gen Z. It is makes total sense for what is happening in our society. We want success and playing time and privileges right now. We don't want to wait. We typically, and, and I'm not saying everybody's this way, but our society is gimme, 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 yeah. now, now, now. Yeah. I want it right now. I want to stream it on demand right now. I'm going to play right now. I don't care if I'm a freshman. I want to be a superstar now. We don't have to really wait for anything these days. And I can go this place or yeah. this place or this place, and this coach promised me that I'll get the playing time and I'll be a star and I can do this. Like, it makes perfect sense. I don't think that it's detrimental yet. Now, if it involves, you know, brown bags and cash and boosters yes. and things like that, which let's not be naive. It's, it's, it, we're naive if you don't we think don't it's happening. We don't see it. Yes. That doesn't mean it's not happening, yes. right? No, I don't think that it, clearly their issue is not with the transfer portal in general, the idea behind it that, you know, guys would look for a better situation. I, that's not, I don't think, what, what Coach Vitell's talking about. His, his situation is people on other teams – Outwardly recruiting and promising, if you yes. jump into the portal, hey, hey jump in we'll the transfer give you portal. this to come to us. Get you. That's where that's where people are taking advantage. Collusion, of it. tampering. Yes. Yeah, I'm concerned about a lot of things. Doesn't mean it's going to go anywhere, though. Right. Right. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Women's soccer team Cameron Tucker is on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Cameron, thanks for taking some time. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Fantastic, uh, especially because you're the number 12 seed and we're excited about the prospect of BYU women's soccer making a nice run in the NCAA tournament. How do you feel about the number 12 overall seed? I'm so excited, and I know my team is super excited as well. We're so excited to get to go to North Carolina. We're all anxious. Like, since we got the first round by, we don't leave for, like, another week. And so we're all like, we just want to get there. We just want to get there. But So we're super excited, and we're ready. I'm pretty sure you guys knew that you were in. You didn't really know where you were going to be. What was the reaction like when you found out you were one of the seeded teams? Was that a surprise, or did you kind of expect that? Um. I honestly, I didn't like, there's like a guy on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen him. He like kind of makes like predictions right. and like brackets and stuff. And so we weren't, he wasn't predicting us to be seated. So to me, like, and I was kind of following that and I was looking at it. And so to me, like, it was all like a big surprise, like to be seated. It was super exciting. And it was like, shoot, like that's dope. So <laughs> we were really excited. <laughs> Is it Chris Henderson that you're talking about that does the bracketology yeah. for women's soccer? Yeah, he's like all about women's soccer. So like me and Kayla's my roommate. So we were like up the night before. We're like, did you see where Chris like predicted us to go? <laughs> like, like we'll have to see. So thankfully, uh, he, Chris, was, he was wrong. So. Yeah, th thankfully in this regard, he was wrong, right? Yeah, it's okay yeah. to be wrong sometimes. Look, here's the other part yeah, about that, exactly. Cam. I, I like the fact that you admit that you follow that stuff because there are a lot of people. No, we don't follow. We just. I like that you admit because I would have a hard time being in your situation not following it too. Yeah, I just have to. Like, it, it's like he's making brackets, so it's like I want to see what he's like thinking and like what he's predicting us to go as, or you know, so or who to play, who we're gonna play. So, yeah. 
I well, follow it. Cameron Tucker, BYU Women's Soccer, with us on BYU Sports Nation. You'll either face Virginia, who is the clear favorite, or Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. What's the best and worst part about preparing for two different teams and having that first round bye? I mean, I think that, like, the best is just, like, we don't know who we're going to play, so it's like, oh, we're just preparing to play, like, our best you know what I mean we're focusing more on ourselves we're not really focusing on our opponent like we know both teams are going to be good no matter what so every day at practice it's just like we're here to get better for ourselves so I think that's like the best the worst is just like the unknown like they're two different teams Virginia has different strengths so does um, the other team and so it's like we just don't know what we're gonna get but so you mentioned, Cam, the word unknown, and that leads me to, to the next question that I want to I ask you about. There's so many unknowns about this year. Obviously, you didn't play the season in the normal time that you would play. You're playing in the spring. And with COVID and everything surrounding it, big picture, what does it mean to you and this team that you weathered that storm and that you're back in the postseason after what I'm sure is a really trying year? Yeah. I mean, it means a lot to us. Like, like you said, like it was a super weird, weird or weird year. And like, we didn't really know what to expect. We didn't even know if we would get to play all of our games. Like a lot of teams in our conference didn't even play a full schedule. So to like be able to, you know, we overcame a lot. Like we were really smart with COVID. We were really smart with like our preparation for the games. And so to be able to come back to the NCAA tournament seated is like a huge accomplishment to us. And it was our, our end goal, you know, so we're really proud of ourselves and we're excited. I asked your head coach, Jen Rockwood, if there was an added chip on the shoulder because of a metric that awarded Santa Clara the WCC title and you finished in second. She said, whatever, yeah. we're going to worry about us and play our game. But let's, did it bother you, Cameron? Does it still bother you that that metric gave them the title? You know, it, it honestly did bother me because it's like they didn't play like three of their games. Like, okay, they could have lost one of those or they could have tied like you don't know what could have happened soccer is a weird game like things happen but like like what Jen said at the end of the day it was like all right whatever we're still going to the tournament that's all that really mattered and we were seated like one seat higher than them so it was just like it's all good like who's the real champion right we got the better <laughs> yeah, seat like, yeah like we were laughing about that after our selection so we were like okay Santa Clara like bring it like we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna like we don't care <laughs> So, so as you mentioned, the team's heading to North Carolina. I don't know if it's full bubble situation, but it is certainly bubble-like with everything taking place in one city and the surrounding areas. What do you know about what you guys can expect in, in this upcoming postseason from, from the bubble situation? Yeah, um, I don't know. We haven't really heard much. Like after our selection show, like Tom Homo kind of talked to us about kind of how like the other tournaments were and like how they were tested every single day and how like you just aren't allowed to do a lot. So we haven't heard like exactly like what our situation will be like. Like we don't know. So we're just kind of preparing like it will be like the other like basketball and volleyball like tournaments. So I don't know, just knowing that we have to get tested all the time, like live like you're not really allowed to leave the leave the hotel and like we have set practice times if you like don't get tested before that and they, like you go practice like you'll get like eliminated like it's super strict so just some weird rules that we'll have to follow while we're there so 
Cameron Tucker of BYU Women's Soccer with us on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars are the number 12 seed headed to North Carolina and the NCAA tournament. On paper, it looks like you will face Virginia. You never know. It's the tournament. But if it is Virginia, what do you know about the Cavaliers that you are preparing for right now? Um, we haven't talked a lot about them. Um, obviously, we know they're an amazing team. They're ranked pretty high. They're in a great conference, and they've had um, – in past years, like last year, they were like number one. They were favored to like win the tournament last year because they're so good. So we just know that they're going to be really good into, you know, like they have good forwards, midfield defenders, like, so, yeah. What aspect of your game, and, I, and I'll ask you from a personal standpoint and then the team standpoint, what aspect mm-hmm. of your game do you feel right now is clicking the most heading into the postseason? I just feel like my – for me personally right now is like my ability to find the ball going forward. I think that I started off strong doing that. And then I went through a little time period during the season where I wasn't really finding the ball going forward. I wasn't making those runs. I was kind of standing too still. Um, I feel like right now I've been finding the ball a lot, like from our defenders, like a long ball, like, cause I'm pretty fast. So I don't know. I think that's been helping me personally. And then I think just with my team, um, I think that we are so deep on our bench and like our subbing is so deep that like we never skip a beat. People come in off the bench and it's like they even bring like a level like for like Pepperdine. I'll never forget. Like we were kind of struggling and we had made that first sub rotation and like Ashton came in and someone else. And it was like a whole new game. Like they brought a level of energy that we needed. So I think that is what like our team strength is right now going into the tournament. So I want to bring up a story that uh, your former teammate, Carla Swenson-Haslam, uh, who calls games with me on BYU TV for the BYU women's soccer team, brought up. And she said, I, just, Cameron, I was talking to Cameron, and she told me that she's kind of in a little bit of a scoring slump, but today's going to be the day. And then you had the breakthrough. And then you scored in five games in a row, Cam. Okay, so yeah. what happened? What, what changed? What, are, you, are you into superstitions? Are you into that stuff or not? You know, I kind of am. I won't lie. Like, I definitely, like, in the back, I used to be really bad when I was, like, playing club soccer. Like, in the back of my mind, I I know I have superstitions, but I try to, like, play them off so it doesn't, like, affect me too bad. But I think that what changed with that is just, like, during that time period, I was kind of avoiding my coaches because I was, like, I know they're expecting me to score. Like, it was kind of, I was all in my head, you know what I mean? (laughs) And then finally, I sat down with Jen and I had, like, a talk with her, like, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, I'm sorry that this is happening. Like I'm trying, but, um, so yeah, I think just talking to Jen and she just reassured me, like, it's okay. Like you're like, we're like, focus on your strengths. And we came up with a little thing that she reminds me before every single game, um, to do just like, she tells me to like, just run, like go out there and just run. Cause that's like one of my strengths. So I think that's just what like helped me. So. All right. Since you brought up, the superstitions <laughs> what what would you say is your biggest superstition right now like what's the thing that you have to do or don't do well i don't know i always have my hair braided like the front of it and i don't i don't know if that's a superstition i just have always done that like but i i play like that so i guess it is a superstition and then also like i wear the same like depending on like if we're wearing white or like a dark color i'll wear like matching like the same like sports bronze bandex mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so like every game and I've been wearing those like the same ones like all my cl- like college career <laughs> I even have the same ones since like 
high school like club like I because I haven't like really grown like that much so they all fit me still and so that's like I think my biggest one is that I love it I love it you know what it's a natural (laughs) tie-in to the BYU Sports Nation karma cam (laughs) now and I don't know how much of a superstition the karma is because we feel like it's a real thing Yeah, it's not a superstition it's legit it happens when when you come on the show you get karma and you're already really good but you're even that much more awesome so I look forward to an incredible performance with the BYU Sports Nation (laughs) karma doubling up with all your superstitions that sound okay yes that's Perfect. <laughs> Cam, thanks for talking with us. Uh, we wish you the best of luck pushing forward to the NCAA tournament. Hope you survive finals, and we'll see you soon. Okay, thank you, guys. Cameron Tucker on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show You're how. a superstitious guy by nature? A little bit, but I I am a little stitious now. <laughs> it's not super, it's just a no. little. I, I think I am. I'm super OCD. That's what I, but I see, and I was going to say, I think mine's more OCD <laughs> than superstition. But I'm a little stitious. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All right, since we're talking about things that some people view as Something that may have been a good idea, but has now gone horribly wrong. Transfer portal? Yeah. How about this? What idea sounds or sounded amazing, but in reality may have been a horrible idea for BYU? I know what most of you are thinking, because it is it, it dominated, it took over Twitter about seven years ago. The Tradition Spirit Honor jersey. I was at that photo shoot <laughs> that day. It was weird to walk in. We're like, what is going on here? Bronco Mendenhall called it, he compared it to a fantastic anniversary gift idea for my wife, and then you give it to her and she just starts crying. Which okay? <laughs> is not the response you're looking okay. for, unless the it's ca- happy tears. The BYU captain's going in there like, hey, maybe we can do this for like one game, but really we want our names on the back because our families are representing BYU. And Anyway, it, it was a terrible idea. It really was. It seemed nice for Bronco Mendenhall. Awful idea. So that that one is going to come to mind for a lot of BYU fans because it's still relatively recent. For me, the idea of a conference-only network, the Mountain Network. Jason, when I first heard about this, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> BYU and the entire Mountain West Conference are going to have an entire network dedicated to just those teams Going to watch all the previews, going to become an expert. Hey, maybe there will be some more opportunity for a guy like me who's in college trying to get a footing in broadcasting. Maybe I can do some stuff for the Mountain Network. This sounds like an incredible idea. And then two games in when I'm watching footage in 240 pixels, less than (laughs) SD, and I can't see where the ball is, I was like, we've made a terrible mistake. (laughs) That was awful. One that hasn't happened but has been discussed and it's a little bit off the radar for me. BYU women's basketball playing all of their games in the Smithfield House. I know the Smithfield House has an electric atmosphere for volleyball. And it's so fun, right? It's so loud. Like, oh, yeah, and it would be easier to pack and get people more excited to go in. Like, you can't feel the cavernous Marriott Center. The floor has dead spots all over it. BYU women's basketball wouldn't play on the TerraFlex. TerraFlex is only for volleyball. It's not bouncy like that. It would not be good. They would have to totally revamp that program, and it would make life miserable for all of the other athletic programs that have to share the locker rooms and the Smith Fieldhouse. That would be a terrible idea. I know it sounds fun for a moment. 
It would be a terrible idea. What do you got? All right, the very first thing that came to mind when this came up was the bibs. <laughs> look, I, look, I get, These jerseys are awesome! Well, I, I get it. Like, let's refresh the brand. Let's sell some new merch. I get it. That's, get rid of Royal Blue! Like, what? <laughs> I totally understand why teams and programs want to refresh things. Like, it just generates, it generates buzz, and you sell new merchandise. So I totally get it. But then the bibs just, it just didn't work. No. It was a, I think it was a good idea. It just didn't work. Like, you could even say tan in general just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that was the very first one that came to mind. Obviously, you mentioned tradition, spirit, honor. Look, there are probably some that would say going independent. <laughs> okay, it was a good idea, was but a, once it happens, like, no, 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 put us back in a conference. Look, I mean, here's the, here's the other thing. You know, we, we all talk about BYU wants to get into the Pac-12. Is that really a good idea for yeah. BYU? In the okay, we would all take it. Let's be perfectly honest. Sure, but, sure. But do you want it? Do you do you, you want really that? Really want? Do that. you really want to have that governing body deciding things for BYU? <laughs> Don't think so. Guess what? Twenty twenty in the football season doesn't happen if BYU is in the Pac-12. Don't think right? so. And if it doesn't happen, if they're not independent, going back to the Mountain West Conference for some seems like a good idea. I promise you, you will regret it after day one. By the way, if the Pac-12 would like to bring in BYU, we fully would uh, accept <laughs> that invitation. That Our, is not from BYU. That is from me. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. A super league with the world powers in European soccer has been created or is still in the works of being created. And it has generated a trifecta of questions in Studio B. One, Jerem, could we see something like this? A super league in college football in the NCAA? Does it already exist? And if so, what is BYU's place in it? Yeah, I think it already exists. We have a name for it. Power Five Conferences, right? Even gave them the adjective power. What is the power? It's the money, and it's the access to that money and better bowl games. Can we just call them the money, money Five? Can we just take that designation? Money Five? The Money Five. The cash, cash Five something? <laughs> the Low Budget Five and the Money Five. Oh, my five. gosh. The Dollar Store Five. <laughs> What's BYU? It's an independent. The... Yeah, the divorced. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think it already exists. And uh, what's BYU's place in it? BYU's place in it is an outsider. It really is. BYU's chosen to be outside of this. The outside part gets BYU a bigger TV deal than it would as a budget five uh, or mm -hmm. group of five, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because BYU has its own deal with ESPN. BYU has uh, you know a deal with Nike. BYU has, like there there are good sources of income in that regard that are better than if BYU was in the Mountain West, for example, or the Big West or whatever. Um, it already exists, but if there was a complete breakaway, now let's let's compare this to what's happening in European soccer. So there are 12 teams that said some of the biggest clubs, some in Spain, Italy, England, right, that have broken away and said, no, we're forming our own Super League. This is not supplanting their domestic national leagues. There's still going to be the Premier League and La Liga and everything, but it's a threat to the the – uh, you know, to that because there's going to be a ton of money pouring in mm. from this new Super League. In TV deals. In theory, right, the rights to all that, they're going to split $3.5 billion a year. Whoa. So what it hurts is the smaller teams, uh, you know, the Bournemouths and the Southamptons and the whatever, that occasionally win and sometimes creep into the top 10, but never actually get into the Champions League. This is essentially a Champions League, uh, you know, uh, supplant that. Okay. So – 
if the Power Five actually broke away and said, no, we don't even compete in the same area mm-hmm. as the Group of Five, that would be the equivalent. So it's, it's an interesting thing to think about because BYU is on the outside. And this year was the ultimate uh, case study for BYU to see where BYU was. Because guess what? BYU played a schedule that allowed them to win enough to be relevant in the national conversation for the first time in a decade. And it was really fun. I'm not talking in September. I'm talking in October and November. And so what happened? BYU came out in that first poll and was ranked 14th, and it stunk. And we were like, wait, what? Oh, BYU's not respected to the degree we need. And BYU's not going to have, the, unfortunately, the right balance on a schedule of playing like three power fives, you know, winning all of them, and then having in that conversation be a top 10 team and be a New Year's Six possibility. The playoff is ridiculous in the conversation with BYU. I said as much at the beginning of the year. That was validated during the season. But I didn't think that it would be ridiculous to think that BYU could make the New Year's Six. I thought that was weird. So, yes, there are superpowers. There are the power five right now. And while they do technically compete in the same area, there's no shot for a team like BYU or group of fives to actually get into that playoff and compete for the national championship. Listen, we shouldn't be surprised that when BYU operates on a budget or a budget conference, they find great success, Jerem, <laughs> instead of trying to keep up or keeping up with the Joneses yeah. in the Power Five conferences. Which we'll see this year when BYU plays seven Power Fives. Like also, we're hoping for eight wins. Side tangent. Isn't Jason Shepard a Southampton fan? No, he's Everton. <laughs> oh, <laughs> He likes Everton. Yeah. Okay. Random. Random. Conversation for another day. <laughs> yes. He should be a Leicester City fan. That's Leicester City. Yeah. They're good. All yeah, right. They're really good. All right. Uh, I think that this power situation kind of exists. I, I don't feel like the Power Five is the Super League just yet of what is being created in soccer because it probably needs to be smaller. Like if the Power Five shrunk in half and it was like the top 32 teams of college football – then I feel like it would be more along those numerically, lines. yes, but fi- financially, absolutely. Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's kind, yeah. it's, it's. There are definitely shades of this, right? Financially, yeah. I feel like a, a super power five would be like the top 32, maybe the top 25 teams overall, and then they could try and broker a deal to win all of that money with the additional TV rights. I don't think that's going to happen. Their own tournament, yeah. right? Yeah. So it needs to be a little bit smaller. Uh, can you imagine the elite 16? You just took the top 16 college football programs overall, and how much posturing and jockeying would take place to try and get in that top 16? Yes, and so to com- to continue the comparison, so 12 teams uh, have said they're going to form this league. They said we're going to invite three more teams, mm-hmm. and then we're going to make it so every year there are five kind of at large to that year's tournament relegation. So it'll be a 20. Well, it's just for this midweek competition. Ah, okay. It's it's a league. See, we have a weird mindset in, in America compared to, say, Europe with soccer, where it's like you have your domestic league, but you also have multiple tournaments. One is Champions League. If you're not good enough, you're in Europa League. There's the domestic tournament among all the teams sure. called the FA Cup. Sure. There's actually – that exists in the United States, but it's not popular, where a team like BYU actually competed in that in 06 and 07 when BYU was like a single-A minor league uh, – Soccer team. Don't they call it the U.S. Open Cup or something like that? Yeah, it's the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah. Yep, but no one cares. No one cares. But these (sighs) tournaments exist, and there's been talk of doing this in the NBA, having a midseason tournament and that kind of thing. But we value the playoffs. In the Premier League, there's no playoffs. They don't exist. They care for the Champions League and the Europa League, and ultimately, like, that's the club level. And then, of course, you're familiar with the Euros and the World Cup and the CONCACAF, whatever, you know. So many tournaments. Yeah. All right, on to topic two, Jerem. 
Okay, uh, topic two. Does BYU have a better chance to get in with the big boys under the current system or some version of a new-look college football like we're talking about? <laughs> Holy cow. Again, I, I don't think college football is ever going to become that exclusive, an Elite 16 or a Top 12, but maybe it shrinks down a little bit. Maybe one of the Power 5 conferences dissolves and there are four super conferences formed. That has long been rumored to have been discussed or be in discussions. One could argue there are four, and then there's the Pac-12. That's true. That's true. Like we we kind of say that, you know, in halfway tongue in cheek and in jest, but there it's and kind I of that like way. The Pac-12 personally, yes. like I like the teams in there. I mean, I think we've agreed for a long time that if BYU is to have movement and jump into one of these higher money leagues or Power Five leagues. <laughs> high society leaks, whatever you want to call it, their best shot to break in is if there's major upheaval in the current construct of college football. Something is going to have to shift dramatically with TV deals, conferences poaching from other Power 5 conferences. They've written then, in too much legalese to have that part, I think. And, and then dominoes start to shift. Maybe they have. Maybe it's like just it's too a shot in the dark. It's just yeah. too much of a dream. It doesn't seem realistic, but that's I think that's what it would take for BYU to get an invite is – Major upheaval. I mean, we're talking about Texas and Oklahoma get poached off by the SEC. And then the Big 12's like, oh, no, what do we do? We got to add a bunch of teams some or teams the, we're going to dissolve. Some teams in the Big 12 would be happy about it. Yeah, uh, probably most if we're being like, completely we're honest. We're tired of Texas dominating yes. this, but they're not actually the best team in the league. They're I, just bringing the most money. I think it would take something like that. And I was trying to think of, like, in the business world – and this idea popped in my mind. Remember Blockbuster Video? How they just had like the market. I remember Rose Video. They had the market corner. Well, video stores in general, where you would go and you would rent videos. Rent DVDs, oh, rent yeah. video games. Oh, yeah. Blockbuster Why are you leaving had, out Hollywood? Blockbuster had over 6,000 stores yeah. nationwide. Still have one. In 2005. And then there was this idea of, well, maybe we can just stream things and well it was, it was discs yeah. to your house initially so you didn't even have to that was the jumping that was, that was the, the jumping start. point yeah, and then yeah. netflix goes oh we'll go full digital and then blockbuster went goodbye like it's gonna take something like that and hollywood and hollywood video and rose for, video for byu to get invited into this power it's gonna have to be a totally different scenario totally different scene upheaval Digital streaming. BYU's the Disney Plus of digital streaming. Okay. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it's more like the <laughs> Paramount what is Plus. It? Fubo or whatever. Fubo that's like, TV. Yeah. Where it's like, it's there. I think it's pretty good. Sometimes. But they're, but they're invited. But they're invited well, to that. We hope. We hope. I here's what I'm afraid of. Obviously, BYU Sports is a big enough brand and good enough on the field to merit inclusion in some sort of power structure. Uh, this this is super obvious. BYU's timing has not been good. Like, if BYU had been invited like some of the other crappy Power Fives back in the day, this wouldn't be an issue. But now that we're in the modern era, there are off-the-field, off-the-court issues associated with BYU being connected to a church, and there are certain policies and values of said church that are an issue. Oh, are you with suggesting that conferences. politics and social issues are a deal? In 2016, didn't like certain things associated with that. The Pac-12 will never like those things. So I don't, I don't see how in the current system BYU will ever be invited to a Power Five. It is a nice idea. I would absolutely love it. Although we do like being a big fish in a little pond, 
uh, in the WCC in some sports. Obviously, Gonzaga's the king in men's hoops, but don't you like watching uh, all the Olympic sports play really well and dominate? I think BYU would be good in the other leagues, but ultimately with football, BYU would never be a big fish in that pond. But the possibility of doing something crazy and awesome exists as an independent. So I almost wonder if we actually want that. Like, I do because it means BYU is now at the party, now is getting the money to recruit, maintain good facilities at an even higher level than BYU already does, get better athletes. Like, I want to compete at the highest level. That's what BYU wants. But ultimately, does BYU really want that? Because I think BYU is pretty comfortable in what's going on. Hey, had fun. Women's soccer, 12 seed. Women's volleyball, 16 seed. Men's, uh, you know, women's cross country, national champs. Like, this is fun. And this is a product of where BYU is in the West Coast Conference, I think. Couldn't BYU, hypothetically speaking, still do those things in Olympic sports, yes. even if they weren't the conference yes, you just champion? Win, yeah, you just wouldn't win the conference championship. Like, in, foot, in, in men's hoops, are you ready to have a losing record every third year? In, in uh, football, are you ready to try and make a bowl game every year yeah. as the standard? That, that would, it would be different because it would be harder. It's as an upper-class, middle-society-type athletic department that uh, is seen as an overachiever. There are a lot of good things to that. Do you want to move to the big city and tangle with the big boys on a regular basis? Or do you want to or stay do you want a bigger yard? in the suburban area you want and a have bigger a bigger yard? yard? Yeah. 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 Our question of the day, does BYU have a better chance to be included as a Power 5 team under the current system or in some other version of a college football super league? Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. This from Brian Buss on Twitter. The current system is not conducive for BYU's inclusion in the Power Five. Politics, religion, and a host of other excuses prevent that. Afraid the best hope is to blow the whole thing up, but I am not convinced that would even work. BYU really is an island into itself. Not group of five, not quite power five. Not budget five, not... Money five. Yeah, in, in somewhere in the middle. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We are so excited to welcome in our next guest on this 2000th episode of BYU Sports Nation, the Swagmaster, Jamal Williams, joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal! What's up, brother? What's going on, man? It's good to see you. What's, what's happening, my vanilla man? I've been missed y'all. Man. <laughs> it's been yeah. a minute. Dude, you were the first guest on the show, by the way, uh, back in 2013. You were a sophomore. Yep. We had you, It was on the radio only. You just probably hopped on the what? phone and didn't know, even know who you were talking to, right? No idea. Just me talking. <laughs> <laughs> I can go with the flow. We needed, to, yeah. <laughs> we needed to have the very first guest of the show back on for episode 2000. And Are you in Detroit, by the way? Nah, I'm in AZ. Okay, so you're training you're, in Arizona. You're running up hills in the heat, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, it ain't skippy, I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> Run away from lakes and stuff. <laughs> And, and then a, a, a gaggle of geese of, of kids trying to catch up to you, right? That's too. But, you know, it's all fun, though. I'm having fun. You know, I love the warmness, you know. 
And thank goodness, Detroit is an indoor stadium. So I'm good. <laughs> you go from the tundra of Lambo, and I know you had an amazing experience and love that, um, to, yeah, mm-hmm. indoors. So that's different. But same division, so that should be interesting. Oh, yeah. Same division everything. So at least I get to see – at least I get to play uh, against my friends. And, you know, we get to have some – talk some little mess to each other. I already been texting some of my former teammates just to let them know. I'm like, hey, take it easy on me. I'll take it easy on you. Let's let's be friends somewhat. <laughs> doesn't it, doesn't it feel right? Do yes. Doesn't it feel right for you, Jamal, to be back in blue? A different shade of blue, but yeah. you're back in blue. Yes. I love being in blue, man. I missed it, honestly. I ain't gonna lie. I miss blue so much. But it feels good though. I'm I'm happy. I'm enjoying it. It's a new chapter in life, so. Really just can't wait to have some more fun, man. Hey, I love that you uh, continue to rep the Y, not only through your personality and who you are, right, but uh, you're, you're repping it now. You had, like, that cougar hoodie, uh, you know, uh, with Cosmo, that's I think. The onesie. The onesie, onesie. right. Yeah. yeah, that's my only time I could be Cosmo, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's, I would I would love to be the – the what's the, what was – I seen one. It was the other Cosmo. It was the, like, he was, like, the kryptonite Cosmo. I love to be that one, honestly. Mm. You know, it'd be fun. Bye. You know, one of those dance routines with the Cougarettes that goes viral, but all of a sudden the head pops yeah. off and it's you. Ooh. Oh, they would, but they would know it's me because I'm, I don't do good with choreographic stuff. I just feel it. So I, <laughs> so I would just yeah, do the whole thing. They'll be like, oh, yeah, that's just good for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Jamal Williams with us on BYU Sports Nation. My goodness, it has been way too long. Uh, before we uh, push more on to reminiscing, uh, we do want to ask you a little bit about your new position in Detroit. How do you feel that you fit in with your new squad, and what do you expect to do in your approaching season? Oh, I feel great. It's a great fit for me. Uh, I love love how the coaches are, the players, everybody team-orientated, and really we just want to win, you know what I mean? Uh, we just want to start off the season and just get it popping. People don't know what this this year means to us, you know what I mean? And especially just having me and other players, and especially D.C., I'm just glad I got a coach that want to fight kneecaps, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> That was epic, man. And he showed up at Pro Day here to watch Zach Wilson and company, right? So maybe some BYU Cougars headed your way. Who knows? But final final question here. This is a Robert and I interview, Jamal. Go fast, go hard, right? Um, what, is, huh? what is Zach Wilson signing up for when he's getting to the NFL that maybe he doesn't know about right now? Um, I mean, I don't know. He probably got that – I think he probably got that Jimmy for that type famous thing right now, at you know, in Utah, so – but I think he's just a, a smart kid. He know better. You know what I mean? Discipline. When you come to BYU, it makes it easier going into the world because you've been disciplined. Yo. It's like being babysit. <laughs> being kindergarten for like till you graduate. You know what I mean? Then when I get out of it and I get around the NFL, you know, other players, NFL players and stuff, and I just ask them, like, wow. I'm like, wow. Y'all don't even know. They, they, they try to make it seem like it's my fault. You know what I mean? They try to make it seem like my fault. Hold on real quick. Let me, let me go and close the door. Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jamal. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Hey, it's all good, brother. Uh, so yeah. great to catch up with you, man. We cannot wait to watch you play for the Detroit Lions. We appreciate and love you, brother. Man. Hey, I'm about to be throwing up some. Uh, if you ever see this. <laughs> <laughs>
That's my wife signal. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jamal. Take care, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Y'all be good, my vanilla man. All Love right. y'all. <laughs> Jamal Williams on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show up. There's no one like Jamal Williams. <laughs> no one. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We talked to Atiki Ali Atiki, BYU basketball's newest signee. He's got a rich story. He's from Tanzania, currently playing prep uh, ball in London, Ontario, Canada, where he's currently living. And here's the conversation we recorded earlier on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Atiki, first off, uh, welcome to BYU. We're very excited to have you as a uh, Cougar next season, man. Well, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. Okay, let's talk about your uh, upbringing. Obviously, you're in London, Ontario, Canada, but basically between Toronto and Detroit right now. But uh, you're from Tanzania. Tanzania, that's incredible. What is it like in Tanzania? Uh, in Tanzania, Tanzania is my country. That's where I was born and I grew up there. And it's a beautiful country. It's a beautiful country. I really like it. You have nature stuff. Like It's beautiful and it's a safe country too. So I, I, I like to, to, to go there. Yep. And I remember one day when I was in high school, the school called Nyanza, uh, I was on my way to school and I passed the, the street. They say like, you can't pass here. And I just passed it. I didn't know, I didn't I didn't read the information. And there was a dog, like a big dog. And it's, it was crazy dog. So it just started chasing me. And I remember I lost my basketball, my basketball, my bag. So it was crazy. It was crazy. So, so that day I didn't go to school. So I go back because dog chasing me. I throw everything away. So it was crazy. I think anybody you that's know. ever been chased by a dog understands that feeling of panic when uh, when the dog is chasing you. So now you, you brought up losing your basketball. That brings us to a basketball question. How long have you been playing basketball? When did you start playing basketball? How young were you? Oh, uh, I was 14. I remember I was 14. Yep, I started playing basketball in Mwanza and I went to Dar es Salaam. I took serious in Dar es Salaam and I joined the academy course um, JMK Park. I started practices there and was good, was good. And I became a better player and had a good coach there, Coach Bahari, Coach Ashlav and Coach Cornell. They've been with me since then and they've been working with me until now, which is good for me. So you go from Tanzania to the London yeah. Basketball Academy in uh, London, Ontario, yeah. Canada, and now you're going to uh, be at BYU this next year. So why is BYU the place that you wanted to play college basketball? Oh, I think BYU is the place that I'm going to get better, and I think it's a good school, and we have good coaches there, Coach Pope and Coach Burgess. They're going to work me hard, so place that I, I really like it, and I think going to get better at the next level. What yeah. was the recruiting process like for you with, you know, the schools coming at you and obviously BYU making an impression on you so much that you decided to come here? What was this process like for you? Oh, the process started last year, 2020. Uh, we started to coach, talk with Coach Burgess and Coach Pope. He was calling me like every Sunday to check on me. We share information, the BYU information they shared with me. So it was a good process actually. And even games, like they tried to to get my to put my game better. So they sent to me the film, the film of their games that they do, the practice. I've been watching their games, so it's been calling me like every Sunday and talk to to them, which is a good thing. 
And it's been an interesting process because we haven't been able to, uh, the NCAA, you know, you can't host recruits on campus during the pandemic. That's going to end soon, but uh, a virtual process there. And you'll be one of uh, three Africans on the team, which is awesome. Gideon George, of course, from Nigeria, Fuseni Traore from Mali, and then uh, yourself from Tanzania. So did that influence you at all knowing, okay, BYU has, uh, you know, a couple other Africans as well on the team? Yes. Uh, not at all. Not at all, because it's part of my family. So we're just good to go. We're going to work together and win the games. That's the whole matter. So, yeah, I really don't care about that. Yeah. Did you see Gideon George's uh, story and his deep blue uh, story by chance? Oh, oh yeah. Coach, Coach Pop, I think he sent to me the other day. Yeah, it was great. Hey, I, I, see that, yeah. I, I smell a deep blue on you, by the way. I, we're going to have to do uh, your story. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I can't wait for that. <laughs> It'll be awesome. So, Atiki, yeah. you, you're six foot eleven. It says that yeah. you weigh 220 pounds. So give yes, everybody sir. an idea of what your game on the floor will be like. Okay. Um, I play center, so I'm strong and I'm big. So that's my spot there. I can rebound. I can box out. Like I can score inside. This, I think I'm going to help the, my team, BYU, because of that. Yeah. We're excited to uh, watch you play. Is there an NBA player that you feel that you play uh, similar like? Oh, yeah, Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam is my, mm. my boy. I met Pascal Siakam, in, Pascal Siakam in South Africa, and he's a great guy. And I really like his game. His post-moving stuff is actually good. And he can shoot it outside, too. So I'm trying to be like him one day. Hey, yeah. and, and you're not far from Toronto, so there's an influence yeah. there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not, it's not like one hour and a half. It's yeah, not, 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 bad. not far. Yeah. Uh, you guys should go to no, lunch yeah, or something, you know? Right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned you mentioned Coach Pope, you know, contacting you is really wanting you to come to BYU. What's your relationship like with Coach Pope and this coaching staff? Oh, oh Coach Pope, I would like to say Coach Pope is a great coach and he's funny coach. It's very funny. Like <laughs> I've been watching like the games when they win games, like he went crazy. He's just like a funny guy. So <laughs> I like him a lot, and I think <laughs> when I get there, he's gonna get me better, and yeah, he's gonna work with me. So it's a great coach. Now, during the season, he told us during one of the coaches' shows on TV that he had gone to Toronto that week. So now we know who he was, uh, you know, uh, pursuing at one point, um, you know, a couple yeah. of years ago and whatnot. So, uh, and, and let's finish with this. Tell us about your name. So it's certainly uh, fun. Atiki Ali Atiki. Ali Atiki. Yeah. yeah. So two Atikis in there. Oh, yeah, two Atikis. Cool. That's my, my grandpa's name. I took my grandpa's name. Gotcha. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations yeah. on all the success. Stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, we look forward to seeing you this fall in a BYU jersey in Provo. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. You too. That's Atiki Ali Atiki on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. 2,791 days ago, to be exact, just two days following BYU's tough loss against the University of Virginia in college football in that epic downpour in Charlottesville, 1916, a much younger Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. They were thinner, too. And thinner Spencer <laughs> Linton and Jerem Jordan 
Hit the airwaves of BYU Radio for the first time on a radio-only show called BYU Sports Nation. Six months later, we launched the show for the first time on TV as a simulcast to an audience at the West Coast Conference Tournament. We've had some fun moments, some sad moments, some emotional moments, some real highs. It's been an amazing journey. Here's a look back at the first 2,000 episodes of BYU Sports Nation. We're doing it live, and we're in Vegas. Today marks the 134th broadcast of the show on BYU Radio, but the first day we're live on both the radio and BYU TV. So it begins. <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're going to look amazing. I'm uh, the last airbender. <laughs> I, look like, I look like Nashif now. <laughs> we now reveal the time uh, of, of today. Okay, the first run. We're watching it. This is run number one. Run, you Three, slow piece four, of junk. Run! 5.35. Okay. I'm disappointed. I well, stop nut, row nut. hugs. It's a man hug. We man yeah. hug. During the break. And we'll kiss. Nope. <laughs> on the cheeks, though. Oh, okay. On the cheeks, that's all. I already came in and asked, hey, can I have one of those? And you said, oh, I'm sorry. I think those are only for the talent. Taysom Hill is incredibly competitive. He's unstoppable. It's okay, man. She got me like 20 seconds in. Corbin with the spin move. And Corbin is the winner, proving he is the best athlete in the house. <clears throat> uh, check that. Second best athlete in the house. What's up, Mark? Coach. What's this BYU Sports Nation karma? Ah, uh, yes. Strong stuff. I thought it sounded a little. September 10th, 2015. Busy Phillips is a guest on the show. Eight hours later, 87th minute, tie game against Utah State. On a free kick near midfield makes the game-winning goal. Probably just a coincidence. Oh, just superstition. So, you know I've got some room in my schedule. Pretty busy, coach. Robinson oh, deep well. down the left field line, and this it's game good. is tied up. Phillips, and it bounces into the goal! When did the BYU Sports Nation karma start? Scholars have researched this for a long time. Our best answer to this is in the Big Bang. Halford. It's a red hot start and it's seven to six. 26 for Halford. Like no question about it. Like when that happened, I knew that the karma was a very real thing. There's a Santa Claus and there's BYU Sports Nation karma, no doubt. Party in the city where the heat is on. It's game day. That's exactly right. In Miami. Next on a bowl game day edition of BYU Sports Nation, the Cougars and Utes finally renew their rivalry, the must-watch matchups. He'll roll right, lets it go, finds his guy, touchdown! You know, I'm wide open over here. If John sees me, then he can chuck it over here. A schoolyard thing of just, hey, Try to get open and I, if I can find you, I'll find you. And it worked. BYU Sports Nation live from San Diego hey, hey, yeah. in Radio Woo! Vision. BYU Sports Nation live from the Hard Rock Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's a little bit warmer today. Oh, it's five degrees warmer. It's 41. <laughs> Beat Utah! There you go! <laughs> Jared Jordan into the pool. We are live from California, Corona to be exact. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan doing BYU Sports Nation two-hour special Saturday edition from the BYU Fan Fest live from Nashville, Tennessee. Look at this. Look at this. 
We are in Tennessee, and this is the reception BYU gets. Unbelievable. My coaching soul said it was time. Time to be done. Mark Pope, new men's basketball head coach. He returns to BYU after four years as the man in charge at Utah Valley University. In all honesty, the reason I took this job was because I knew I would get to come on here with you guys. <laughs> Welcome to the special live edition of the afternoon BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton will join me momentarily. I am Jerem Jordan. Bronco Mendenhall has left BYU to become the new head coach at the University of Virginia. It's great to be back. I've um, enjoyed my journey the last 15 years, and it's great to be back home. We have just received a bit of breaking news. Uh, the Salt Lake Tribune reporting that legendary BYU Cougars football coach Lavelle Edwards has passed away. Wow. <laughs> that caught me off guard. More than anything, he saw more in me than I saw in myself. Coach Edwards' greatest victory was how he touched the lives of, of his players. An incredible display of how one man can change the lives of so many people for the better. My dad picked me up after school. I can still f smell, see, hear the, the, on, the, on the radio is big, big girls don't cry. And I'm like, yeah, big boys do. <laughs> All of a sudden, by doing this, you bring yourself to a place where people can feel connected to you. Mm -hmm. I, I think I really enjoy that. I think that's fun. You can make it there. Uh, you have the great platform to do some phenomenal things. And by the way, he's going to get a Super Bowl ring this year. So that's kind of cool, <laughs> yeah. too. To have people text you and say, you know, Super Bowl champ, you know, it's just, it's something you'll never forget. Blue 42. Was that the real Ty Detmer? Yes. No. Boom! <laughs> Boom! Cover two. Was that the real time? <laughs> Avocado. as Ty. <laughs> Hunting and fishing. Was that? Was that that the... was Jerem again. <laughs> okay. Who's the team, Jerem? And the team is? Croatia! 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 BYU Sports Nation <laughs> Karma in overdrive yesterday. Incredible. Croatia beats England in the World Cup semifinal. In extra time. If you're watching on BYU have. TV, you may have noticed that we have some new hardware in Studio B, a Division I National Championship trophy. At least for the moment. So. We've got new hats, too. Yeah. We got new Those hats. are nice, too. They're not as nice <laughs> as this, but they're really nice. I, more and more people are like, no, like, you guys dominated. And it was just like, it was unreal. It's a super surreal experience. He's Ernesto de la Cruz. From Coco. Fantastic. Yes. Like, show me a better costume today. Come on. And he's in to, character. He's here to grant wishes in Studio B. Sports Nation, you ain't never had a friend like me. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> it is Eric from Phantom of the Opera. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, the my gosh. Tom Homo. Is it actually Aaron Eckhart, Two-Face? Season two of Stranger Things came out today. But what are we doing in the buyer's house, and why are we wearing their clothes? Whoa, whoa, whoa. why are the lights flickering? What's going on? What's going on? It's dark and cold. <laughs> Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. Yeah. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, ran out of time. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time, bro. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. Guys, they gave it, they gave it to Jimmer. They gave it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you I'll doing here? Hello, Dennis. Dennis, what are, you, what are you doing here? I hope you're happy, Jerem. Now my kid's hey. day is ruined. Dennis's kids, Jimmer was better than your dad. 
This is a new era in BYU Sports Nation. We're stepping this thing up. We're doing it right. Jerem's gone. And, you know, as a matter of fact, we're not mentioning Jerem's name anymore. Sorry to Jerem Jordan. We, uh, we ran out of time for you and probably forever. You no longer have time on the show. I have time. Mel Kuyper has not wanted to do the trades in his mocks. You finally convinced him, which is really fun, right? Because of what you said. Took 15 years. <laughs> Just 15 years. Jeez. And we talk about a guy that is best friends with Dave Portnoy, and, and you put up with Mel Kuyper. So <laughs> th- thanks for being with us today. I got a lot of headaches in my life. <laughs> Some offenses are going to be different than BYU because they'll you know put more on the quarterback as far as you know protections or mic IDs or flipping things around or audibles at the line of scrimmage. And and there, you know, there's NFL teams that are also very basic and, and don't do that stuff. My dad does a good job of telling me I'm not so great. You know, he's the one that he's the one that pulls it back for sure. You know, he was the first one when I was like, "Hey, what'd you think of the pro days?" It was all right. You know, it could have been better. <laughs> I didn't know if it was going to be a top five pick or I didn't know if it was going to be undrafted free agent, but I always thought I was going to get a chance. TJ open for three and the win. He got it. He got it. TJ Haas. And remember when TJ's teammate Yoli Childs promised a special season? Well, this team delivered. Ah, yes, the Lego is a perfect way to end that. Some fun moments, man. Uh, it, one of the one of the best things is uh, getting out on the road and being with Cougar Nation, like because we know that obviously there's a Utah contingent, but there's a contingent all over the country and frankly the world. Um, so we're we're just we're just a vehicle for the fandom that you'd have that we have of BYU Sports. So it's been a, a really fun ride so far. It is quite literal, BYU Sports Nation. Coast to coast, Miami, Nashville, California, Las Vegas. Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, so many emotions watching that. It just yeah. A lot has transpired and uh, coaching changes, um, the passing of Lavelle, of Lavelle Edwards, just incredible stuff. Yeah. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Zach, you're a very busy, busy guy and a traveling man. We've done interviews with you consistently from California, recently in Idaho. You've uh, gone to Arizona over the last little while. Where are you right now? Yeah, I'm back in Utah. I'm at uh, Strohformance. You know, the best gym I think you can go to. I, I really enjoy working out with these guys. You know, they're awesome. Uh, I'm actually mid-workout right now, so I figured I'd slide in and and get the interview knocked out uh, in between one of my sets. So, <laughs> How's the workout going? Oh, it's exciting. Upper body pump is always the best day. You know, we don't, we don't love the leg days, but the upper body's great. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully you've caught your breath, uh, and we'll go here. We're nine days away from the NFL draft. How would you explain the range of emotions you are feeling as you look ahead to one of the biggest days of your life? Well, so exciting, right? I mean, this is uh, such a surreal feeling. Uh, the draft isn't even here yet, and, and my life has already changed so much. You know, I'm able to go and uh, do these fun things, go to these different events, you know, things I wouldn't have been able to do in college. And uh, I'm honestly just having a blast. You know, there's a lot of distractions, and I got to make sure I get in what I got to what I got to do to keep playing at an elite level. Uh, but I'm having a blast. You know, all of this stuff is is a dream come true. Seriously, this would have been finals week, so that juxtaposition is kind of <laughs> nice, right? Right. Oh, man. Thinking it's finals week. I mean, I'm a lucky guy to have to be studying for finals right now. That makes three of us. Uh, so we, we've seen different um, 
you know, sponsorships come out. Nike football this morning. Congrats on that. That's big time being able to be with Nike. We, of course, we love Nike at BYU. We've seen Chipotle. We've seen some teeth whitening. What am I missing, Zach? Oh, there's a whole bunch coming. I mean, you're going to have to check out. It's going to be all over the social media channel soon. But, uh, you know, the marketing stuff I'm excited for. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I love partnering up with some of these brands. I mean, they're awesome. You know, I get a lot of cool stuff from them, but it's also cool to be represented by somebody, you know, that I want to be uh, have a good relationship with. So it's, it's a great opportunity. I'm super excited to, to represent some of these awesome brands. What's the most obscure thing or, or uh, thing that's been presented to you that you were like, oh, I'll have to think about that? Yeah, well, at first, you know, so I got offered to do a deal for, for pre-draft stuff by this company called Active Environmental, a uh, pest control company based out of Provo. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a one-off deal, and, and my marketing agency ended up turning it into a, a three-, four-year deal. You know, I don't know if they've announced it uh, completely yet, but what an awesome uh, partnership. You know, I'm super excited for those guys. And you would think, you know, pest control, you know, what, what am I doing with pest control? But what an awesome <laughs> business to be a part of, right? You're just getting exactly. rid of those pesky so awesome, defenders. Though. Right. Right. But, the, but I mean, the relationships, <laughs> the relationships I've built with those guys is awesome. I mean, the company is growing uh, in, the, in the next couple of years. You know, they're going to be huge. I mean, they're going to you know, they're going to be a big time company. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm honored to be partnered up with those guys. I'm not sure if they've announced it yet, but I mean, they've done Tony Finau as well. They've got his uh, golf bag says active across of it, across it. So, uh, you know, what a cool sponsorship to be with, to be with those guys. You know, a random one that I didn't think would happen, but. Uh, super exciting. Is it weird to think you're going to be more popular than Tony Finau in a, next week? <laughs> That's not true. I won't be <laughs> more popular than Tony Finau. <laughs> yeah, Dude, I'll you're going to be the second pick Finau. in the NFL draft, bro. Yeah, he's a, he's a professional golfer that dominates. So, you know, he's he's got a pretty good gig. <laughs> Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation, nine days away from the NFL draft. Zach, you mentioned that your life has changed so much over the last few months. So, uh, let's kind of go down that path a little bit more, essentially from the time the bowl game finished to now latter part of April, a four-month period. How has your life changed the most? Yeah, well, you know, you got people pulling you in every single direction. I think that's, you know, the craziest thing. It's one person asking you to help them out with this. And, you know, can you come to this? Can you do this? Can you send me this? Can you speak to these people? You know, every single day there's something new. And then, you know, then there's a lot of pluses I have. Uh, people inviting me to cool events. You know, I was able to go to Steve Young's charity event this past weekend and, and how awesome that was to spend time with him and some other uh, former BYU legends and some of those quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, I had a great time. You know, I wouldn't be able to do that stuff if I was still at BYU. So, you know, there's definitely positives and negatives to the whole thing. But I just have to be able to cycle through, you know, make sure I get get the priorities in uh, first. But, you know, there's pulling in every direction. So I just got to make sure I handle my business. What did Steve and some of those legends from BYU tell you as, as uh, you know, a year ago, we weren't thinking, hey, Zach's going to jump into that fold, but here we are, man. Yeah, really, it was you got to get better at golf. I mean, that was the first <laughs> thing. My golf game is terrible. So. <laughs> You're going to be a quarterback. You got to be a better golfer. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, so funny. Zach Wilson on BYU Sports Nation. When your focus becomes football 24-7, you obviously have a great opportunity to grow in the game and, like you said, hang around a lot of great minds. Um, How have you, I guess, grown the most? Has it been more physically or more mentally over the past few months? Yeah, well, it's a little bit of everything. You know, I've worked worked a lot on both, you know, but really it's understanding the NFL game, you know, what it takes – uh, the film study of, of understanding defenses, how, how it's different from college, 
Uh, and then obviously scheme wise, it's going to be a lot different as well. Once I get to installing uh, whatever offense, you know, from whatever team drafts me, uh, it's going to be exciting because it's going to be a lot different than college. Um, and it's going to be a learning curve, but it's going to be something I'm excited for. QB 21 uh, airing with you and Kirk Herbstreet. What, what did we learn about you? What was that conversation like with Kirk? Yeah, really just trying to, trying to give him a little bit of my personality, you know, who I am. I'm a family guy and I got a small circle of good friends and, uh, you know, somebody that comes from a, a big family, uh, somebody that's, you know, super grateful to be in this position and, and very humbled and, and willing to do whatever it takes to get to the next level. You know, I'm, I'm super excited for what the future has to offer. And I kind of wanted just to, to dip into my life a little bit. And so it was a great conversation with him, you know, kind of what things make me tick as a football player, and, uh, you know, what a great guy he is. And so it was cool to, you know, we watched a little bit of film. We had, you know, some surprise interview in the middle of the, the segment as well. And so uh, it was, it was a great, it was a great uh, interview with him. Who, who was it with Zach? I can't wait to watch it tonight. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to watch. Oh come on, man! <laughs> come on, man! I know it airs later, but I want you anxious to watch it. Uh, we're we're dialed in, that's for sure. Um, let's rewind a little bit more. You were talking about, you know, kind of just your path. I'm sure you went down that with Kirk Herbstreit, the ups and the downs. How did your decision to attend BYU impact your position as a top NFL draft prospect today? Well, it's crazy. You go back to high school and, and you wish you could play out every situation of every college and what the future is going to be for, be like for you. Uh, you know, it's a risk anywhere you go. And I think for me, it was a risk to go to BYU, you know, 419, a team that some say have struggled in recruiting who, you know, haven't done well uh, leading up to this point. And so it was a risk. It was a risk uh, for me to go there. But, you know, it worked out. It was awesome. I had an amazing experience. And I don't think uh, you know, things things would be going this well unless I went to BYU. I had such an amazing support staff, you know, at BYU with the people that helped me get to where I'm at, you know, such amazing teammates, guys that dedicated everything they had to to make sure that we were successful. And then being, a clo- being close to home was awesome as well. I got to have the support system, my family just down the road. So, uh, you know, it's so awesome for me how, how it worked out, how I had the ability to play as a freshman and, and play as a sophomore and uh, start something new, you know, having that new offensive staff come in and, and be part of something new was awesome. I want to rewind back to the end of the 2019 season. And we, we've talked about that off season a lot and, and it's been well documented, but specifically that, that throw that didn't get to Micah Simon to end the bowl game and the juxtaposition of that with the throws that you made, uh, you know, during this past season, emotionally from that point, how did you pick yourself up to make sure I'm not going to miss that throw. I'm just not going to miss hardly any throws during this next season. Yeah, well, you know what's so crazy is uh, the anger I had after that sophomore season was so high, and I think it was it was really on myself. I didn't blame anybody but myself. You know, I could have played better, could have done better. I was frustrated in, in how my shoulder felt, and I was frustrated in just my recovery process, but I knew it was a journey. I knew I was going to keep developing and getting better, and so uh, I knew it was just going to be a process. And so really, uh, I think what a great experience that was for me because, you know, I, I experienced the highest of highs after my freshman year and the lowest of lows in my sophomore season. So uh, not a lot of uh, college guys can say that, you know, a lot of them have been at winning programs since their freshman year and they're in the national championship every single year. So I think it's such a benefit for me that I know what it's like, you know, to be on the low end of things. Cause you know, it's going to happen in the NFL. I'm going to hit some adversity and it's going to be tough. And I feel like I know how to handle it now, you know, just be able to put my head down and grind, not care what anybody else says. And so I think it was such a great uh, experience for me because, you know, I learned a lot, you know, going through that whole, that whole season. How'd you turn that emotion that you described as anger 
into something that helped you become the quarterback that's going to yield the top five pick? Yeah, it was just that motivation, you know, that chip on your shoulder, just like everybody says. You know, every single day I was just thinking about the way I felt after that season or after losing a game or not playing as good as I wanted to. You know, I just I just remembered what that felt like. And every single day I went to work and I was like, hey, you know what, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to do that. I just remembered what that all felt like, and it made it easy for me to just grind and put my head down. And so now, now I'm, when I'm in a situation where, you know, things are great and everyone's telling me how great I am all the time, you know, I have to – I have to go back a little bit and remember what that felt like, you know, to feel like crap after a game and to not play well. I have to remember what that felt like to just to just stay motivated because, you know, I haven't done anything yet. It was one good year and and we got so many so many good years ahead, so I got to just keep doing the same thing. Well, that's where your dad Mike comes into play, right? Exactly. Mike Mike is great at that role. <laughs> <laughs> and and you wear the wristband um that says, you know, prove them wrong. Do you, do you go back and watch any of these plays or you just recall those feelings? Yeah, I go back and watch them a lot. You know, I always do an, an analysis <clears throat> after the season. I'll go back and even now, you know, now that I'm, I'm a year or so ahead of, of my sophomore season, you know, quite a bit ahead, I'll even go back and just be like, okay, now that my perspective of that quarterback has switched, uh, I can go back and watch that stuff and just even think, you know, what have been the, the smarter play in this situation? What should I have done here? And, and there's still so many opportunities I can learn from of, of those experiences that I went through. Uh, and every single year that I played. And so uh, those were so good for me because every single year, you know, you, you pick up so many, so many good learning points. Zach Wilson on BYU Sports Nation. Obviously your health and physical state are at the utmost importance to all of these teams that are looking at you, specifically the New York Jets and the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm sure you've been asked this question a million times by those teams, but how would you describe your overall health with your shoulder, the left and right labrums, your thumb, your hamstring, and so on and so forth. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I feel awesome. I feel awesome. It's like the, you know, availability is the number one, it's the number one key to playing the position the right way. And uh, I feel like I've done a better job of understanding, you know, how the recovery stuff works, the ability to, to slide in games. You know, I still definitely could have done a better job last year, but the ability to take care of yourself and avoid, avoid dumb hits. So I was able to come out healthy and, you know, the few little dings and, and dense that I got from last season, I kind of got rid of pretty quick. And so I feel great and I'm hundred percent and I feel good. And I'm ready to go into the camp of whatever team picks me up. Let's talk about your relationship with John Beck. Uh, so obviously he's the guy that has Beck to Harleen and you're, you're a kid on the other side of that rooting for Utah at the time. So what did you first think of him and how has that relationship uh, flourished? Yeah, I had no idea when I first uh, met John in, in, uh, in college, my freshman year, I was like, wow, you're the guy that threw that pass. Like you're old now. Like how long ago was that? You know? so, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how fast time flies. Cause I remember when he was playing, I remember that game, you know, like it was yesterday. And like, I always say, you know, when I was that age, if someone would have told me, Hey, that dude out there on the field is going to be your quarterback coach or one of your best friends. And you're going to be a quarterback for BYU. You know, I would, I wouldn't believe any of it. You know, it's so crazy how, uh, life, ta- life takes you on these crazy journeys. And so it's been amazing. And I've, I've loved working with him and he's made me such a better player. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to keep working with him, you know, for the rest of my career. He is just an old man though. Let's, let's get that right. <laughs> <laughs> we were in school with him. So we are subsequently yeah, also we're, old. We're, we're also yeah. there. It's yeah. as, uh, you know, Jamal Williams called us. We're just a bunch of middle-aged vanilla men. So there, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, thanks for the time, man. Uh, So excited for you. Nine days away from the draft. We wish you good luck. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you again soon. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast 
every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.